Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning into episode 54 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is Greg Lindbergh here with you. Here on episode 54 of Eyes Free Sports, we are catching up with a young man uh, who is a multi-sport adaptive athlete and uh, very accomplished in both uh, beat baseball as well as goalball and actually competed in the Paralympic Games in Tokyo uh, this past summer in goalball. Uh, So he has a lot of great stories, a lot of great insight, and I think you'll uh, be pretty motivated after hearing uh, his story and uh, his accomplishments. So let's go ahead and dive onto the goalball floor for episode 54. Okay, so my guest here on this episode of the podcast is Zach Bueller, and uh, Zach is a multi-sport adaptive athlete, uh, very accomplished in several sports, which I'm re- really uh, eager to get into. Zach, welcome to Eyes Free Sports. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here and excited to get into it and dive into all these crazy things that I've done and crazy sports <laughs> that I've been a part of. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Again, really appreciate your time and willingness to do this. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, so let's just go ahead and kick things off uh, just talking about uh, where you were born, where you grew up, you know, your early years in life. Yeah, so um, I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, originally from here. We kind of moved back and forth from Kentucky, Indianapolis, um, back to like Marion, Indiana, but actually spent most of my years growing up in Marion, Indiana. From the time I can remember, I think I started playing baseball and basketball when I was two I started playing football when I was eight, I think, um, started running cross country when I was eight. So it was an all year type of events for my family, which was, um, you know, looking back on it, like, man, my parents drove me all these places all year round practice games all across the state, like just applaud them for that looking back on it, but, you know, super involved in sports growing up was a huge athlete, loved watching sports, loved playing sports, um, any sport that I could play, I would try and would have a blast with it. You know, I was on a, in a bowling league for a little bit, like it just, oh, cool. <laughs> it just like, yeah, just trying whatever I could, and, um, but really fell in love with, you know, baseball, basketball, and football. And that's what I really continued to play up until I lost my vision when I was 12. Gotcha. I see. And then speaking of uh, your visual impairment, let's just get into, you know, what your condition is, what your actual vision is. So I have what is called Stickler syndrome. It basically affects all the connective tissue in your body. So different types um, have, you know, different, they can affect, uh, you can have like a high cleft palate, you can have a cleft lip, you can have some hearing problems, eyesight problems, um, joint problems or like a combination of all of those. So I actually found out, you know, around when I was 12, 13, um, I had torn a detached retinas. Um, and this was, you know, from this connective tissue disorder that I do have. And so from there, you know, I, I had surgeries to repair them. And then, you know, a year or so later, I also found out that I have the, like the arthritis that comes with it and all the like connective joint issues as well. So it was, it was pretty difficult, you know, just cutting out sports being so involved in my life. And then, you know, 12 years old when, you know, you're really starting to get into sports, getting the junior high sports and then eventually high school sports. Like I had to cut all those out and it, it really affected me. Um, cause they, you know, sports have always been a huge part of my life. And with all the surgeries that I've, that I had and couldn't play football, football was out of the question with contact, you know, baseball was, 
I could kind of see a baseball, but it was starting to get harder to see. You know, I, I tried to play basketball throughout high school, but it was, you know, it's, it's hard to play basketball if you can't see the ball. Um, and so it was just, you know, it, it really weighed on me after I lost my vision. So all throughout junior high and high school, it was, it was difficult to really, you know, I still had a love for all these games, but a huge passion for them. But when you, when you can't really play them and be involved in them as you were and knowing that where I was with athletics, like, it, it was just a really heartbreaking and really took a toll on me. Oh yeah. And like you were saying, especially at that age, you know, middle school, starting high school in a couple of years, really getting into more, much more competitive sports. Right. You know, that must've been tough, even, even harder, especially at that age. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, it was tough for my, my, my whole entire family. Like my, my parents wanted me to, you know, keep as much vision as I had, but at the same time, like the doctor was recommending, I, I really don't do much. I don't be an active kid, but you know, my parents really struggled with that for a couple of years. And eventually they were like, you know what, just go be a kid. Like you're gonna, you're just, I was just so much happier just going and doing what I knew I could do and not really having the only limitation being my sight, but you know, I would still try everything. I still played, like I said, basketball in high school and wasn't the best player, but you know, I still love the game and, them uh, really kind of easing up and letting me be a kid was huge. And so, you know, growing up, it it became easier and easier. But, you know, for the longest time, I didn't accept my blindness. And that was that was the, the probably biggest hurdle I had to get over. Interesting. <laughs> you know, and I can definitely relate, you know, not wanting to use a cane at first uh, when I first, you know, started getting O&M training and whatnot. And Yep, especially at that age, you know, preteen, teenage years, it's tough for anybody, but especially if you have a disability. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so just to wrap up the education piece, so it sounds like you did, uh, did you just stay in mainstream schools? Um, I actually, I was uh, for a couple of years there in junior high. Um, I actually went um, homeschooled for a little bit through a private school. So I was actually doing like online classes, but was doing them all pretty much just all at home because it was exclusively all online. And I, I actually loved it. I got every Friday off, which was fantastic. Um, you know, I was, <laughs> I could go at my own pace. You know, I could go as long as I wanted to. If I wanted to go into the summer, I could. If I didn't, if I wanted to shorten it, you know, I could. And so I really enjoyed it. Um, and it really benefited me. And you know, just those four years, um, it was nice because up until that point, I was in public school. And so public school really, you know, helped me grow socially. And then, you know, I got to do my own pace in high school, which was, I, I don't know if I would have done very well in like public school, mainstream school, just because I didn't want help. I didn't want to accept help. And just because I was so stubborn and wanted to be independent, like, um, sure. throughout junior high, I was like, you know, I can read that. It's not that bad. And then come to find out I had missed like one question. And so every single question was like one off. And so, um, you know, I almost failed that test. And so, you know, just me being kind of by myself, having my grandma teach me was, was really beneficial for me. For sure. Yeah. That's a great point. And then, so before we get into adaptive sports, uh, I understand that you are a military husband, right? I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. My wife is in the army. Um, just got moved up here to Fort Wayne, but in the past, oh, wow, three, three years now, we've 
moved three times. So <laughs> it's, wow, that's a it's, lot. Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a crazy journey, and it's but you know it's it's really made our relationship stronger, in my opinion. And um, really, when we come together, you know we we value those times that we are together because not only you know am I a military spouse, but she is a Paralympic spouse. So it's you know it's. I've, I've been I'm training for t- leading up to Tokyo this year. You know, I was, I was gone from April pretty much until we got back from Tokyo. Um, so, you know, I was gone all oh, those wow. months. And so we've been apart for quite a lot of time just with her work and, you know, my athletic schedule. So, but, you know, it's, she's my total, even though, you know, she's busy and she's my total support. She's, you know, my rock. She's, supports me in absolutely everything I do. And I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better partner in crime. <laughs> sure. That's awesome. And then, so, uh, I know that you've, you know, been very successful at both, uh, beat baseball and goalball. And I'm curious, which of those sports did you first get inter- introduced to? I actually first got introduced to goalball. It was back in the very beginning of 2016. The U S men's team was here. Um, in Fort Wayne, actually training leading up to Rio. And so my hometown is about 20, 30 minutes from where they were training at. My mom was actually up here in Fort Wayne shopping. And I don't know how she got on the topic of one of these store owners, but um, <laughs> talked about how they both their sons were blind and they had this, you know, Wednesday night program that for goalball and had no idea what it was. And so I went up and, you know, it was went up about 30 minutes early before practice started. No one was in the gym, you know, I'm picking up a ball. I'm like looking at the court, feeling the court and I'm like, all right, I think you're supposed to throw this ball. And so, you know, I'm throwing it overhand and I'm like, if, if this is the case, like I gotta, I, I think I have a pretty good arm. And so I was like, if, if you get to throw this overhand and try to hit this in and throw this in a net against a bunch of blind people that like, I was like, I'm going to be pretty good. I think I, and so, you know, when I, when I finally got on the court and kind of learned the rules in that first practice, like I just kind of fell in love with it just because it, it eliminated, you know, my disability on the court. It allowed me to be as athletic as I knew I could be, but, you know, not have that barrier of eyesight in all these sports that I've tried before. And so going through it with like some of my peers and some people that were just starting out, like I thought I was really, really good. And so then the USA team, um, the men's team actually invited me to come up uh, April through when they were about to leave for uh, Rio to train with them. And I, I got whooped every single day. I, I thought I was hot stuff until I went and played these guys. And it was I was just getting my tail kicked constantly week after week, week, day after day, and just wanting more and wanting to get better and wanting to beat these guys. And I think that's where I really fell in love with the game is through that and through playing with these guys, seeing how much I can achieve. And cause you know, I always wanted to be like every kid growing up that plays sports, you know, I wanted to be a, big name star. I wanted to be on the big stage. And, you know, after losing my eyesight that, you know, that wasn't possible losing my eyesight in the sports that I wanted to. And then I found goalball and was like, wow, you know, I can be on that big stage with this. So I just kind of dove in and went head over heels for this sport and absolutely fell in love with it. And then that summer, actually, um, through the team that I was playing for out of India, I I met some guys that they're like, Hey, you know, if you like goalball, you should try out beatball. And, 
um, at our national championships for goalball that summer, um, Darnell Booker came to one of our games and he was like, Hey, if you want to try out, you know, beat ball, come, come down sometime. And we actually got knocked out of that tournament, uh, the next day. And so I, oh, wow. I, I went home with my buddies and the next day I was at beatball practice and, uh, my first world series was 2016. So and just kind of all fell in line from there. And, um, yeah, just a love for both games and an appreciation for both games that I don't think I've really had for any other sport that has just allowed me to, you know, compete at a, at a high level and, you know, be successful and in a sport that, you know, most people have never really heard about, but, you know, is growing and both sports are, are growing and it's been really cool to, you know, I haven't been in these games very long, only about five years, but just to see how it's grown and see all these, you know, where, I, where I was, these kids coming up, um, where I was when I was their age and just trying to guide them on, you know, if they want this, if they love the game, like there's always a next level in these adaptive sports. Exactly. Well said. And just a little more on beat baseball. So I know that you've played on the Indie Thunder uh, for several years now, and mm-hmm. they are uh, the five-time, uh, you know, defending champs right. of the NBBA. And just give us a little insight into the success of the team and kind of the the secret sauce that they have going on there. You know, I I think it was just a we we kind of figured out we had a team chemistry. Um, I actually wasn't even there for this past one, which was which is crazy just with, you know, leading up training for Tokyo. Um, I wasn't able to make the series, but you know, these past five years has just been, you know, kind of a, a growing point, just seeing all of us, you know, we were, you know, our youngest when we won in 2016 was 15 and our oldest in our starting lineup or in 2017 was like 16. And then our oldest in our starting lineup was like 21, 22 at the time. So it was like, just watching Mm -hmm. all of us grow up from, from there. And, you know, it was, it's just like a family pretty much, you know, we, we take care of each other. It was like, we were all brothers on that field. It's kind of the same thing, you know, with any team sport that you compete at a high level, you know, you, you get your competitiveness going, you, you know, keep each other accountable. You're, you know, talking trash to each other. You're keeping each other uplifted. You know, you're just doing all these things and, the chemistry that we we had built over these years was just was just pretty strong and you know unfortunately this coming season you know we're all kind of you know as as we get older you know we all kind of get lives and you know kind of separate a little bit and friendships kind of fizzle out but it's been cool like every time even though we kind of all separate and we're kind of all spread out on different teams now it's whenever we come together we're still you know we're still it feels like it always has. And so that's just kind of the bond that I think we've made just as a team, just, you know, being there for each other's struggles, being there in happy, you know, joyful times. And it's just been, it really bonds you together as a group. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of chemistry, it sounds like and camaraderie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. And then as far as your position, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and beat baseball, where do you normally play on the field? I am the, the deep left outfield guy. So I think the most, ex- one of the most exciting spots in the game of beat ball. I, I love the the challenge, especially going against, you know, some of these harder hitting teams. Um, 
some people are scared of hard hitting teams, but you know, I love it because it means, you know, I get some action and it's just such a thrill to, you know, since you are so deep, you know, you got maybe one chance to make this play. And if you don't make it, then they're going to be safe. So it's, I love that thrill of, you know, trying to snag a ball as quickly as possible and just trying to <laughs> try to beat the guy that, <laughs> you know, to the ball and just some cool opportunities to make some, some highlight plays back there, which is what I love doing. So awesome. Yep. And then let's talk about your approach at the plate. I know uh, Jared Woodard has been the thunder pitcher for many, many years now. And just yeah. talk about your relationship with him and, you know, how he kind of maybe helps the hitters get on that same page with him for you guys to, to be able to smack that ball around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, me and Jared, uh, we've gotten pretty tight, you know, over this, over these last few years, um, it started off, you know, we, we were friends, but we weren't really that good of friends. And then throughout the years, we've, we've become really, really, really close. Um, he was actually in my wedding. Um, and oh, wow. yeah, uh, so yeah, we've, it, there's just kind of a, it's an, I don't even really know how to explain it. It's kind of like an unspoken chemistry between really any pitcher and any hitter. And I just feel like he, he knows all whoever he's pitching to. He, he knows their swing inside and out and he, he's one of the best in the game and he's, you know, approaching the plate. It's, you know, I'm, I'm relaxed cause I know, you know, Jared's going to put it where it needs to be. And, you know, just as long as I keep my swing consistent, you know, we've worked a lot together over the years and because we've worked for so many years together and we, we have that bond whenever really I come into town and we're practicing, like we might, we might take a couple cuts, but we're, you know, we just kind of have that bond. We know where each other is going to be at. We know where we're trying to do. And, um, just always a really relaxed mindset. Um, and Jared always has that, whether we're, you know, winning, losing, because, you know, once you, once you start getting frantic, you start making mistakes and, so it's, it's just about having those little conversations about adjustment, you know, walking back to the plate, you know, Zach, you were a little early. All right. We're going to be like, you know, I was a little off. That was me to stay where you're at. Just, just these little details that I think he knows so well that he can just point out and see, um, I think is a, a huge reason for our success for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. So then uh, just kind of transitioning back to goal ball. Um, so let's just talk about, you know, the, the road leading up to the Tokyo Paralympics this past summer. And I know, uh, obviously, COVID kind of threw a wrench in everything as far right. as the qualifying in 2020. And um, just talk to me about, uh, you know, how you were impacted by COVID, say, last year, and then just any events, any qualifiers uh, leading up to Tokyo this year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, going into 2020, um, I actually, I had actually, um, come out to Fort Wayne. Uh, we were living in, uh, Columbia, South Carolina at the time, my wife and I, um, and I had come out here in January to train for Tokyo. And my plan was to pretty much stay from January to when we left for Tokyo, if I, or until I found out, you know, I was either cut for the team or made the team one of the two. And so, you know, once COVID hit, you know, I just, I went back to South Carolina continued to train until, you know, gyms had closed down and stuff, but then continued to train at home. And then uh, when we found out the news about Tokyo being postponed till 2021, it was like, wow, you know, we've been working from pretty much, you know, from the end of Rio to, you know, May of 2020. 
um, and especially, you know, January to May of 2020, really, really pushing hard for Tokyo and then then postponing it was just like, wow. All right. This is this is pretty serious. Like we we have to pretty much go a whole nother year of training, um, which, you know, a lot of it was crazy to hear how many, you know, Olympians and Paralympians, you know, just decided not to go to Tokyo anymore because they they couldn't do that next year of training because it, it is a grind to get to that point. And right. Um, luckily not, I wouldn't say luckily, but I actually did. I tore my meniscus at the end of May. I actually had surgery to repair it in October of 2020. So with that happening, I, I would not have been able to go to Tokyo. Um, I wasn't able to really play on it, work out or anything like that till it was fixed. And so then I, I still have issues with it to this day, which is, is what it is at the end of the day. Um, but then in, you know, January of 21 really started, you know, pushing hard as after we found out that Tokyo was not going to be pushed back anymore. Um, so back in 2019, the men had qualified at the Pan American game. So we had, we pretty much were just pushing, 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 trying to find any tournaments we could throughout 2021. The only international tournament we actually had was in Lithuania. Um, so that was our, kind of our last cut for the the six going to Tokyo. So we took eight to Lithuania and didn't play the best, but really kind of showed the world what, you know, USA was about and got to kind of see some of these other teams that were going to be competing in Tokyo. So, um, and then after that tournament found out that I had made the team and was just such a huge weight lifted off my shoulder that was like, cause I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen if I, you know, if I didn't make it, I didn't know if I wanted to play goalball ever again, honestly. Um, and just the, the hard work that I had put in these past five years and just never making a U.S. team up until this point was, you know, being told that I was going to make a team if I played good enough, but then, you know, being told I played good enough, but I didn't do anything outstanding. So I didn't make the team. So just years of that. And then finally making the team, it was like, I, I just, I took a knee, took a deep breath and just a huge weight <laughs> lifted off my shoulders. And I, I couldn't stop smiling. It was one of, one of the happiest days of my life for sure. Finding out I made that team. Wow. And I know I did ask Kyle Kuhn when I had him on the podcast recently, just, was it a phone call that you got or how did you actually find out? Yeah, it was a phone call from the coaches. I was actually the last one to find out um, of the six and <laughs> the coaches planned it that way because they, they knew how you know hard I had worked. Um, even just coming back from the knee injury, um, how hard I had worked and they wanted to really hear that reaction from me. And um, so, you know, it was, they, they were ecstatic to really hear it. And, you know, I called my parents and my wife and they were ecstatic and it was just <laughs> such a, such a good, you know, couple days. It, it was hard, you know, to practice and train with some of the guys that, you know, weren't able, like didn't make the cut for the team and just, right. you know, try to keep them encouraged and, um, you know, have them not, you know, drop out because, you know, I've, I know the feeling and, but when you do get that, when you do make that team, there's, there's no better feeling in the world, especially after being disappointed so many times, not making teams. Exactly. 
Yep. And so just talk to me about the trip over to Tokyo and just kind of that initial, uh, you know, introduction to the whole Paralympic uh, experience. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Um, uh, like leading up, especially just with just with COVID protocols that we had to do, um, like taking the test before we had to leave. Like we had to take a test 72 hours before we left the test 24 hours before we left. And then, you know, multiple tests once we got there. And so it was just those first couple of tests before we left, were like, man, this is, it was stressful because, you know, if we test positive, we're not, we're not going to Tokyo. So everyone was right. on edge, um, you know, after those first, all those first tests came back negative, we were just all kind of breathed a heavy, heavy sigh of relief and, you know, from there it was, it was all excitement. Um, you know, we had a 13 hour flight from Chicago to Tokyo, but, um, mm -mm. I was, I was ready for it. I was excited. Um, I, uh, got about six hours of sleep on the plane. Um, when we first took off and I woke up and before I looked at my phone, I was like, Oh, I, I think I slept for a while. I looked at my phone. I was like, wow. All right. We still have seven hours. Cool. Um, <laughs> and so, Landing in Tokyo, you know, it was absolutely insane getting there. You know, we had to pretty much about every 20, 30 feet, we had a checkpoint where we had to show our passport, show our negative COVID test, um, get yeah. some new paperwork and then show that new paperwork to the next people and so on and so forth. And then had to uh, get a COVID test and then sit there till everybody on our plane's results got back, um, mm -hmm. which was. I think it ended up being six or seven hours. Um, oh, wow. And, I was just and, waiting. Yeah, exactly. And just waiting in a, like an airport lobby. Um, and then, mm. uh, then, you know, driving to the village for about an hour, hour and a half. And then, you know, getting checked into the village for another hour, hour and a half. And then getting, I think we eventually arrived to the village. Um, we left at 4.30 a.m., um, from like our our van left then to go to the airport and we arrived in tokyo uh i think it was like 20 oh what was it i think it was like 36 hours later um which wow. was absolutely insane um and it was crazy because like when i got there i was i was still wide awake even though it was 2 a.m in tokyo um and you know it took a took a while to get over the jet lag which um you know, I'd never really experienced that much jet lag before. Um, but it was such a cool experience. So cool to just, you know, look out our balcony and see, you know, Tokyo Bay, see this beautiful lit up bridge. Um, and just, you know, really be able to see these so many, you know, skyscrapers just off in the distance. It was just such a cool experience. Like we weren't allowed to go explore anywhere in, in Tokyo, um, which was a bummer because, you know, such a cool city, such a cool, you know, culture, history, all that. Um, but, you know, because of COVID had to stay in the village, but it was just really cool to, you know, talk to the volunteers that were, you know, from the area and learn about a little bit about their culture, what they like to do, some crazy Japanese words that I can't remember to save my life. I was there for two and a half weeks and my Japanese is still really, really bad. Like still don't understand it whatsoever, but just such a cool experience. Wow. That's amazing. 
And I know Kyle had mentioned uh, when he walked into his room, he had a bunch of stuff on his bed, you know, the, the Paralympians actually get from all the sponsors and whatnot. Did you have similar experience? Yeah, it was absolutely insane how much how much stuff we got. I, everyone, <laughs> everyone had kind of told me, like, because it was only, there were only two of us on the team. It was like our first Paralympics. Um, and so... You know, everyone was talking about it, but like until you really see and kind of experience it, it's like, oh my goodness, like um <laughs> just all the stuff that you know Nike, Ralph Lauren, Oakley um gave us. It was, you know, we I I barely fit everything in my bag um going back, which was insane. And it was, you know, just so grateful to all the all the sponsors that you know, are for the Paralympics and just such a great, such a great experience. So, so well run, so well set up, you know, and, um, it, it was just so cool. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still like speechless talking about it. Honestly, I like, guess it was hard to really describe it in words, how, how excited I was the whole time. Like the women's coach all the time, um, who was also like our residency coach here in Fort Wayne, whenever he saw me, he's like, Zach, how you feel? I'm like, dude, I, this is so cool. <laughs> just, <laughs> just smiling constantly and couldn't stop Touching smiling. Yourself and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, I didn't know when I was going to wake up, but I didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like you were saying earlier, you know, that goal to, to kind of be on the big stage and, you know, this is about as big as it gets for, for this type of sport and these yeah. athletes. So, yeah, exactly. Just, you know, competing at that level, seeing these teams compete at that level. It's, it was just so different, such a different feel, such a different atmosphere even, um, than, you know, cause I've, I've been to international tournaments and stuff, but it, it just felt different. For sure. No doubt. And just tell me a little more about, you know, once you actually did set foot on that court and on the goalball court for the first time and just kind of what was going through your mind it was just kind of like, Holy cow. Like I'm here. Um, you know, I, I, I made it, um, just kind of all the hard work has, has paid off. And, you know, it was, you know, as soon as coach kind of called my number and he's like, Zach, you're going in, like just standing there, like trying to get loose and get set up before I get subbed in. It was like just running through my mind. Like I was just taking deep breaths and like, wow, you know, this is, this is what I've, I've worked these five years for these six years for, you know, it's, it was such a, such a humbling moment. And just like, it was almost like a flashback, just picturing to, you know, when I first started sports, you know, working out in high school with my buddy, like staying late at gyms before, um, you know, putting in all this hard work and all this sweat and even tears at times, like, it was just kind of all coming together at once as soon as I stepped on that court and you know it it made me smile like and i i didn't I didn't play the best in my standards um which unless I play perfectly i'm I'm not gonna play the best in my standards, but um <laughs> you know it was right I couldn't help but but like smile even though even though I wasn't playing like I wanted to <laughs> for sure, yeah. I know I did get a chance to follow uh, some of the matches, you know, that were on on NBC Sports Network uh, mm -hmm. that were streaming. 
And uh, it's you know it seemed like you guys had a couple of really good wins and then maybe some disappointing losses as well. If we just kind of want to sum up you know the whole competition experience for Team USA. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we going into it like we were excited. Um, you know, our first game was against Brazil. They're a huge rival. You know, we play them. They're you know in our region, so we play them quite often. They are you know defending world champions they're always a good team. They always give us a good fight, you know, beating them was a huge, huge accomplishment for us. And, you know, after that win, I think, I think we just thought, you know, we, we could really beat anybody and, you know, in a tournament like that, in a sport like goalball, you, you can't have that mentality. And then we just started having some nagging injuries um, throughout the team that, you know, people weren't able to play and people were kind of playing through and we, we kind of just, ended up really hurting ourselves. You know, we had, we threw 27 penalties, um, which, you know, in seven games is a ridiculous amount of penalties thrown. Um, and really just kind of, kind of hurt ourselves. We didn't really play our game. We weren't really playing our system. I don't know if we were just uncomfortable with, you know, how we felt about our, like with our injuries and not necessarily injuries is such a, you know, such a, kind of a bad word, but just, you know, pains and aches and, you know, just how we felt and what our mindset was. Like, I can't exactly speak for some of my teammates, but it just sounds like we, we weren't always ready to completely play like myself included, even, um, you know, we just kind of hurt ourselves quite a bit. And when we were close, we would give up goals. When we were, when we were up, we would make mistakes and it was just, just one too many mistakes to kind of overcome and you know but i think we definitely learned a lot coming from tokyo and you know it unfortunately you know it took that experience and that kind of beat down that we got a couple times and the losses that we took to have people get really fired up to to want to work hard and you know really try to be on top of the world but it woke, it woke a lot of our team up. And I think that's, um, we came back fired up for sure. Right. Gotcha. Um, I know that Callahan young, uh, I understand this was his first Paralympics and he absolutely killed it uh, yeah. on the court there. If you yeah. just want to talk a little bit about his performance and just, uh, he seems like a, uh, quite a character. <laughs> yeah, no, um, Cal is one of my uh, best friends on the team. Um, and he, you know, he's watching him, from you know three four years ago to now is total difference um just the mindset the mentality that he has and you know never really wanting to give up and he absolutely crushed it um and you know it it really it took a toll on him because you know he was he was he was absolutely exhausted by the end of that tournament just because of how much work he honestly he put in and he hmm. he really uh he really stepped up and I'm I'm excited to see where he's gonna go, you know, from this experience, how much he's gonna trend up because I think it's gonna be quite a bit because he's still here in Fort Wayne training and um he seems like he's getting better every time I step on the court with him and you know, he's just such a tall guy. <laughs> it's insane how <laughs> how how good he is for being so tall and how fast he is for being so tall and 
just all the learning from him and learning from each other, I think has really, really helped us in practice and leading up these past couple of months that we've started training again. We're, we're excited for 2022. Right. Absolutely. Definitely a bright future ahead. Definitely. And yeah, just a couple more things on Tokyo. Um, did you get a chance to interact with, uh, you know, athletes from any other countries? I know, you know, from what Kyle was saying, there were definitely some limitations on that. Yeah, we uh, we got to talk to the Brazil team a little bit, their men's goalball team. Uh, it was cool to talk to them after they won gold, kind of hear their, you know, hear their training process, what their, what their years have looked like. Um, with COVID got to talk to some of the Japanese team as well. So it was, it was cool to, you know, talk to them. Uh, the U S or not the U S sorry, the Japan men's team was actually here in 2018. So it was cool to kind of catch back up with them and talk to them. And a lot of them remembered me and I remembered a lot of them. And so it was cool to catch up with them. And, um, met some awesome Taekwondo athletes and some sitting volleyball athletes. Um, I didn't meet like too many other athletes from other countries, but I met a lot, a lot of different athletes from like the U S um, just with the restrictions kind of like we were really kind of told to kind of stay in the same areas, you know, USA. If, if it, we weren't in the dining hall or the rec area, like kind of try to stay in our building and all this. So, um, met a lot of city volleyball, met, um, a lot of the wheelchair basketball team, um, some of the table tennis team. So it was, it was really cool. Uh, met a lot of track athletes there, you know, they have events all day, so they're all running back and forth. And, um, it was, it was cool. The, the coaches, the track coaches actually had a, a challenge to see who would be the first one to use the elevator. Um, and so they were just running up and down stairs, which was insane because there was, I think we had a 13 story building um, and mm. a couple of the coaches said they were on floor 11. So a lot of stairs to climb up, <laughs> but That's I, funny. I, I, I think, I think there were two coaches that actually made it all the way. So it was, it was pretty cool to see. Oh yeah. That's awesome. Um, as far as food, did you get a chance to indulge in any, you know, Japanese uh, cuisine? Yeah. So they had um, in the dining hall, they kind of had different sections. They had, you know, stuff from around the world. They had, you know, a pasta bar, they had um, like an Asian cuisine, and then they had like some actual authentic like Japanese sushi. So I actually did try some sushi because I thought, you know, I'm in Japan, I probably should. It would only be right. <laughs> um, I'm not a huge fan of sushi, but I tried it. It was actually pretty good. Um, but the the food in the dining hall was everything was so good um i honestly probably gained about 10 pounds in tokyo um just with all the french toast and waffles and pancakes that i was eating because they was they were just so good um uh, yeah, the, yeah i can all, pass those up right exactly all the food was was just so good all you can eat too which was, was probably a mistake but so good <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah and hey just you know to kind of wrap up this segment uh you know congrats on being a paralympian i mean a lot of people most people you know can never say that they were an olympian or paralympian so congrats on that amazing honor and you know definitely wish you the best in terms of uh you know the next next events and everything with goalball yeah thank you so much yeah we got a we got a pretty busy 2022 coming up uh in february we have pan-american games which 
Um, we have to do well at to qualify for Worlds, which um, our World Championships is actually in June this year. So pretty quick turnaround from Tokyo. Usually we have that gap year, but since Tokyo got postponed, it's everything's back to back. So it's a uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough six months, but it'll be. I'm looking forward to the grind for sure. Definitely, yeah. Uh, just a few other quickies uh, as far as other adaptive sports aside from goalball and beat baseball. Have you had the chance to to play anything else or anything that you'd like to try? So I have tried. I've tried beeper kickball, which oh yeah, was very interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really one time want to try like blind tennis. I I don't know how it hmm. would go. The one that I really want to try, but it's a bummer with the rules that they have still in place, but hopefully they'll change. Um, hopefully they'll kind of extend past the B1 uh, for these big competitions. But five-a-side soccer looks so much fun that oh yeah, I, I, I just want to play. <laughs> it would, <laughs> I think it'd be so cool. Um, and also uh, hockey as well. Um, I've heard, I've heard um, blind hockey is a lot of fun. Um, I don't know how to skate, but I've heard it's quite a bit of fun if you if you can learn how to skate. Exactly. Yeah, I have had a few guests on that that play blind hockey, and the stories are amazing. I mean, once you're on that ice, you know, kind of like on the the court for goalball. Right. It's just a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think what others. I mean, pretty much any any adaptive sport. I will. I will honestly try. I think. Uh, I think they're just they're so much fun they're so and any any adaptive sport honestly you can learn so much from um i've tried sitting volleyball before like i wasn't that good obviously because i can't see but it just puts puts it in a totally different perspective to put really it, it makes you put yourself in someone else's shoes even if it is you know you're having fun playing a sport you're kind of seeing what they have to go through and you know playing sitting volleyball it was like oh wow you know I can't scoot very far with only using my hands. Like, wow, that's, you know, it just completely puts it in a different perspective. Um, doing demos and stuff all the time for goalball and beatball, you know, people take off the blindfold and they're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I relied on my eyes. Like that is insane. Um, yep. it, and just really is a really good teaching tool and a really good, really good way to show, you know, people that, even though people make goalball and beatball look easy, it's, it's not, it's, it's a struggle. And, you know, that's how we live every day of our lives. And just kind of putting that in perspective, I think is everybody that I've introduced um, goalball and beatball to is, you know, that's really helped them put it in perspective. Exactly. Definitely well said. Okay, again, we've been chatting with Zach Bueller here on Eyes Free Sports. And uh, before we wrap up, Zach, uh, if you do want to mention any kind of social media, if people want to follow uh, your your athletic journey. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, it's uh, I'm also on Facebook um, under Zachary Bueller. Um, my Instagram is uh, Zach Bueller5. Uh, it's my goal ball number. So, um, yeah, follow me on Instagram. Give me a follow. You can check out um, kind of what I'm doing on a daily, on a weekly basis, um, training schedules, all that. So go ahead and follow those two if you guys like, and would love to, would love to have you check out what I'm doing. Awesome, and I'll definitely include uh, links to those in the show notes so everyone can easily get those links. 
Perfect. Cool. All right. Again, uh, Zach, really appreciate the time, man. It's been a true pleasure getting to chat with you, getting to know you here, and uh, really look forward to your continued success uh, in sports. Yeah, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.com.